You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Hey there. Good morning. Welcome in. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. We have done it again, people. We've made it to Friday. How is everybody doing? Plenty to discuss on this Friday edition, of course. You know the deal. One hour, we run through it all. The number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. On Twitter, on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. Daily poll question will be up momentarily. But we always start with the big headlines of the day. And uh, we'll go with the three big ones for the opening segment of this Friday edition of the Gordon Damer Show. The first one that I saw was Greg Williams coming out and uh, stating publicly that he's got Jamal Adams' back. And then Alex Lewis taking shots at Manish Mehta for the article that uh, was up, I think it was on Wednesday, but we talked about it yesterday here on the show. Let's start with the Greg Williams stuff about uh, supporting Jamal Adams, saying, quote, I want him to feel good about being here. I want him to feel good about everything that's going on, and he knows when he gets inside the door and inside the white lines with us, There's a chemistry that's outstanding. I've been through this before with other players, and you can't be too emotional. I can't. I've got to stay level-headed with that and just know that I can't wait to get a chance to coach him again. Now, he did also have some comments about his contract and basically said, you know, I don't get into other people's money, and uh, obviously that's the right approach. Is anybody surprised that Greg Williams would support Jamal Adams and and talk about what we all know? Even if you don't want to pay him what he's asking for, however you come down on the the contract uh, status, everybody admits that Jamal Adams is a great player. Now, there's many other questions about whether or not you can build your team paying him as much money as he's going to want. Do you pay him now? Do you pay him later? Those are all debatable. But whether or not Jamal Adams is a great player and the best player on the Jets' defense, if not the best player on the Jets, it's not really debatable. So the fact that Greg Williams came out yesterday and uh, wax poetic about Jamal Adams and not wanting him to go anywhere is not really that big of a surprise. So uh, that's that part of it. The second part, Alex Lewis coming to the defense of Adam Gase, tacking uh, Manish Mehta on uh, was it Instagram, I think it was, saying uh, to M- Manish, uh, give up your sources. You don't speak for the locker room or myself. And also adding, you are a poison to this team. So, look, to make it, and this is the problem that I had yesterday with that article, was that when you say that this is the way that everybody feels, I think you need to have at least a quote, some quotes, even if they're from unnamed players, supporting what you're reporting, right? Like, if you're saying that this is so overwhelming, this is an open secret within the locker room that Adam Gase has lost the respect of the players— I think you need a quote from somebody somewhere saying something to that effect. It can't just be, well, this is, these are the list of reasons why all these guys feel that way, but nobody's willing, maybe not to put a name on it, but at least have some sort of, uh, supporting evidence from people that were feeling that way. If it is this open secret. And to make it out like Gase has no defenders is wrong. Even in his time in Miami, he had guys who supported him, Frank Gore. Right, Frank Gore is somebody who has had a long, uh, distinguished career in the NFL, and he is a guy now in a couple of locations, I think three now, that has um, worked with Adam Gase. So he clearly has the respect of, of Adam Gase, and Adam Gase has the respect of, of Frank Gore. 
But I'm sure that there is a faction of guys in the locker room that don't respect Adam Gase. But I think to say that nobody does is overreaching it. And really what this gets down to, that story, the focus, is all about Jamal wanting to get his contract extension and doing anything and everything to get it. And I'm sure that that is the basis for how that article got written. Maybe not specifically Jamal going to Manish Mehta, but it certainly seems weird that that story would pop up now when you have all this stuff going on with Jamal Adams. If the stuff with Jamal was not going on, it it seems hard to believe that that article would still have been written. And the real problem that I think I had, like if Jamal were to get his contract, right, if the Jets were to break what they've said in the past and give him his deal now, well, maybe not said in the past, but their actions kind of tell you they don't want to pay him right this second, uh, even with the pandemic uh, taken out of the equation, They don't want to pay him after year three. They want to pay him after year four. But if the Jets came to him and offered him what he wanted, I'm pretty sure he would have no issue playing for Adam Gase. So the second headline is uh, baseball-related. Aaron Judge is actually making progress from his rib-slash-lung injury. He recently began hitting off a tee. In the batting cage, Eric Boland of Newsday reports that uh, one observer told him that Judge didn't seem to be holding anything back. And while it's definitely not a guarantee that he will be fully cleared for activities when uh, spring training or uh, they really should be calling it summer camp, shouldn't it? Right. Like it's not spring, really. I, I guess it's technically still spring, but it's basically summer. Right. Have we hit summer already? I never know when these things happen. But it should be called summer camp, not spring training 2.0 or spring training squared or whatever people are calling it. Uh, but there is a chance that he could be ready for opening day when it happens at the end of next month. Uh, well, look, I guess it is a positive because there has not been any real tangible signs of progress from that injury. And remember, I mean, it was like back, was it April? Was it May? When Aaron Boone was like painting this rosy picture that, ah, you know what? He's, he, the, the good thing about having this time off is that uh, he'll be able to heal. And the fact that we've had all this time off and you could be basically right. If they're starting the season July 24th, you're almost into August and you still don't know for sure that Aaron Judge is going to be able to play to me. I get the idea that this is this is a positive because it's actually making progress. To me, that's more troubling than positive. The fact that he's had all this time, it just feels like this is going to be an issue even moving forward. Like, th- this is not over with yet. And until he's, I guess, able to get the go-ahead to play on a regular basis... Uh, it feels like this is not so, this is something that's not going to weigh. And for, uh, just for the baseball side of things, right? They need their stars. Uh, if they're going to be able to overcome all the damage that they did with the back and forth leading up to the season, they need their stars to be able to play. And Aaron Judge is one of the biggest stars, if not the most recognizable star. And then the third headline that I have for this Friday is, uh, the NFL yesterday canceled the Hall of Fame game. Now, you might be saying to yourself, Gordon, cancel the whole effect. That's not a big deal. And I would usually, usually agree. But the fact that the NFL has been so adamant that the season is going to take place on time, that camps are going to open 
next month on time, even that fans will be in the stands this season, despite Corona affecting anyone and everyone. I mean, forget about the sports landscape. Take a look around the world. Do you realize that Germany canceled Oktoberfest? Oktoberfest canceled. I'm not uh, a world traveler. I believe that Oktoberfest takes place in October. Like they canceled that already. Irish pubs are closed. Let me state that again. I pubs in Ireland are closed until at least August and may remain that way until next year. Irish pubs, people. So, yeah, I get the Hall of Fame game is not that big of a deal overall, but it's the first little tiny crack in the veil of invincibility that the NFL likes to project, right? Like, if there's one sport that has had a damn the torpedoes type approach to this, at least in terms of the team sports, it's the NFL, right? And I guess that would make sense, right? If players and coaches and everyone within the league, right, you, players play through gruesome injuries, right? So they're not going to allow themselves to be slowed down by some uh, kind of virus. I do think that it's it's interesting to see that at least there has been that that first crack in the invincibility that the NFL likes to project. And it's only the Hall of Fame game, but I, I'm interested to see as we move closer to the season. And look, I want there to be an NFL season. Everyone wants there to be an NFL season. In this day and time where fewer and fewer things uh, bring us all together, we can all kind of agree on the NFL being there and being there at a time where we're going to need, I mean, we need sports at some point. The NFL is one of those still things that brings us all together. So I definitely want there to be a football season, but it just seems like with the way, th- I, I just don't think that you can predict with any level of certainty Something that's going to happen next month, never mind something that's going to happen in September. So here's Malcolm Jenkins, who is on CNN, talking about the the need for risk to be eliminated before football should be center stage. Here's Malcolm Jenkins. The NBA is a lot different than than the NFL because they can actually quarantine all of their players um, or whoever is going to participate. Where we have over 2,000 players, even more coaches and staff, we can't do that. And so we'll end up being kind of on this uh, trust system where uh, the honor system where we just have to hope that guys are social distancing and things like that. And that puts all of us at risk, not only, you know, us as players and who's in the building, but when you go home to your families, uh, you know, I have parents that I don't want to get sick. And I think until we get to the point where we have protocols in place and until we get to a place as a country where we feel safe doing it, we have to understand that football is a non-essential business. Uh, and so we don't need to do it. And so the risk, uh, you know, has to uh, be be really eliminated before we before I would feel comfortable with going back. OK, so there's Malcolm Jenkins saying that the risk needs to be eliminated. Uh, I don't know if he means a cure or that coronavirus is no longer a threat. If that's the case, it seems pretty clear at this point Then for Malcolm Jenkins, he cannot play football this year. And look. I don't know his family situation. Maybe he has elderly parents, uh, grandparents. I I don't know. And if that's the way he feels, he should have the right to 
carry that out, right? Like, if he does not feel comfortable, and, and we've mentioned this before, the NFL, out of all the sports, you would have to say the greatest risk from coronavirus of all the sports just based on how many people play it, how many people are involved not just on the field but off the field, and what the sport entails, right? You cannot, outside of the, the Miami Dolphins defense, you cannot socially distance yourself on an NFL field. So if that's the way that Malcolm Jenkins feels, and I'm sure that he's not alone, then the, he should have that right. But if he is of the belief that the NFL will not move forward with the season until the threat is eliminated, I think he's living in a, a, a delusional world uh, because that's pretty clear. I'm not saying that the NFL will be able to complete the season, but the idea that any sport is not going to take place until the threat is completely eliminated, that's that's just not good. I mean, that's just not based in reality. And I think we can say that with a level of certainty, and that's saying something because there's not a whole lot of certainty that we can have right now. All right, so 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number. Uh, the poll question, up for today, on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. So you have Roger Goodell yesterday maintaining that not only is the league going to start on time, but they're going to have fan. They expect to have fans in the stands this season. Then I saw a story about the Kentucky Derby that takes place on September 5th, usually the first of the three triple crown races. I think this year it's the second, but it takes place September 5th either way. They still maintain and expect to have fans in attendance on September 5th. So our poll question simply is, would you feel comfortable? attending a sporting event in the near future maybe not right now and this is not um this is a, a normal sporting event this is not putting you inside the NBA bubble this is going to be you're going to be attending an event with other people strangers around you even if there are protocols in place where you have to wear a mask or you ha- would you just feel comfortable attending a sporting event right now Two options, either hell yeah or heavens no. You can vote on the poll question. It's up on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. Our poll question, which is up for today on uh, Twitter, at Gordon Damer, is all about uh, the comments yesterday by NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell, uh, the Kentucky Derby, also planning to have fans in the stands. That is something that I've seen pop up more and more uh, on my Twitter feed, I guess, as the New York New Jersey numbers have started to uh, dissipate some. But, of course, coronavirus is still just because there is a portion of the population who has stopped caring. It turns out not caring is not an effective treatment for coronavirus. Like if you stop, this is not Freddy Krueger from uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Number one, Nightmare on Elm Street. Number one, if you remember, it's kind of hard to, but because there were so many, the way you defeated Freddie back in the first one was to stop caring about him because if you stopped caring, that took away his power to kill you in your dreams. Uh, it turns out coronavirus does not operate that way. If you stop caring, it's, it's still as much of a threat as it was before. Not caring doesn't have any impact. So, uh, I, the poll question, which is up for today is would you feel comfortable attending a sporting event? Well, I guess to a certain degree, I would have to know what the protocols are in place for the sporting event, right? 
Like, is it going to be reduced capacity? Is it going to be a type of thing where I'm able to socially distance myself from other people? Are masks going to be required? And we had a caller yesterday saying, well, you know what? The threat isn't that big a deal, blah, blah, blah. You can feel however you want, right? Like you're, like the old line, you're entitled to your own opinion, but you're not entitled to your own facts. All the medical experts, all of them, tell you that there are certain ways to treat, uh, to, to combat the potential to contract the virus, social distancing yourself, washing your hands and wearing a mask. Now, that's not going to eliminate the threat completely. But if you do those things, there's a better than likely chance or it certainly reduces the odds of you getting the virus. We've seen that in in numbers in other parts of the world. We've seen that here. And what, what operates on the other side is pretending that it doesn't exist or it's not going to impact you, that's not the case. And the problem also is, is that when one person, even if it's a healthy person, right? Even if it's somebody who's younger and good shape and not really a threat to, to, to be seriously impacted in terms of hospitalization or death, when that one person gets it, that person, that's another two weeks, right? Like it, as soon as the numbers of infections continue to go, that uh, cross another two weeks off the, uh, off the calendar because those people are infectious for another two weeks. So when you have, you know, if you go from one person to the next, that's another month. Cross another month off the calendar. And the months are going by here, right? We're already half three through 2020. So um, if, the, the, if the question is, would I feel comfortable attending a sporting event, I would say no. And really, the, the reason why I'm asking the question I did today, and it's up on Twitter, at Gordon Damer, is I'm kind of interested to see just what level hell yeah gets. Like, how, how – it's kind of hard to gauge, right? Because I feel like just looking at the, the, the world, looking at things where I see where I'm at – most people are doing the right thing. I know that's not a popular thing to say. And there was a report that I think it was 85% of people are wearing masks when they go out in public. I don't know where that is, if that's just New York and New Jersey, tri-state area, or if that – I can't imagine that that's across the country just yet. Um, but look, that's the right approach. If Anything you can do to slow the, the, the spread, to, to slow the infection rate, not maybe for you, but for other people, people who are compromised, people who have pre-existing conditions, elderly. Uh, why wouldn't, I mean, how hard is it to do that? And, and the best, <laughs> it's not a, it's not a fact, but the best argument I've heard for wearing a mask, and this is hands down, if you don't want to be your child's School teacher from home next year. Make sure you're wearing a mask. That is all the information that I need. Because if I got to go back to at, at home learning or distance learning or whatever the hell they're calling it next year, I am going to lose my mind. I can't take it anymore. So for no other reason, if you don't want to be your child's teacher next year in the house while they're doing Zoom calls and telling you to be quiet, while they're on their Zoom, well, then by all means, wear a mask. So I'm interested to see uh, where the, the hell yeah crowd comes down. And you can vote, as I said, on the poll question. It's up on Twitter, uh, at Gordon Damer. All right, so uh, that's the, the story there with the poll question. There was some more stuff that I wanted to touch on because uh, we, we – 
focused on, uh, you know, the Knicks moves yesterday. And um, I saw that Stefan Marbury had uh, some comments. And then Larry Brown was on the uh, Michael K show yesterday. I guess let's play the Brown sound first. He says that uh, he uh, believes that uh, the World Wide West is going to be able to fix the Knicks. Larry Brown, the Hall of Fame coach. Why do you think hiring World Wide West is such a good move by the Knicks? The biggest thing is everybody trusts him. He doesn't seek any attention at all. He's a problem solver. The NBA needs the Knicks. New York has the most knowledgeable and passionate fans they are in the league. They love the sport. And I think with the group of people they have around them, with an owner that's willing to spend money and give you the resources, I think it's going to be a destination for a lot of guys that want to come to New York and be part of that. Okay, so that's Larry Brown. Uh, Then you have Stefan Marbury, who uh, does not like the moves. Uh, he blasted the move, uh, in fact, on uh, Twitter. He said, uh, called uh, World Wide West, World Wide Sucker. Not the, the, the best nickname in the world. Uh, he said, quote, come on, man, at New York Knicks. Did you really just bring World Wide Sucker to the New York Knicks? Really? You brought this dude here? Why? I'm a real New York Knicks fan. I've been a New York Knicks fan since I was a kid. Come on, James Dolan. You got to be kidding me, man. You brought this dude here? Really? What's going on? There's got to be an explanation. Not him. Out of all people, you bring this dude here? You bring him to NYC, to New York? He ain't got no credibility here. Nah. All right. Well, not maybe the strongest points. (laughs) You would like to think that if you're going to rip the move, you would have a reason for ripping it. But two things. One that Larry Brown said that I vehemently disagree with. And then uh, one that uh, Stefan Marbury uh, brings up that I vehemently disagree with. I I think it's pretty clear at this point. The NBA does not need the Knicks to be good. The NBA has not had the Knicks be good for a very long time. And it seems like the NBA is chugging along just fine without them. So, no, the Knicks do not need to be good for the NBA now. Would the NBA be better with one of its marquee location teams being an actual threat, being an actually fun- – forget about a threat, just being a functionally well-run organization where every story, every angle of every story is not uh, a negative type of thing, where they're the laughing stock of the league? That would be fantastic. But the league does not need the Knicks to be good. I would love for the Knicks uh, – I would love for the league to believe that, because then maybe they would uh, help the uh, draft lottery out the way they did with the Pelicans uh, last year. That would be fantastic. Get a little, you know, I don't know what they got to do. Put a little finger on the scale, you know, give a little, you know, point to the nose to whoever's working the um, the, law, the law firm inside the room. Whatever you got to do. Freeze the envelope like you did before. Whatever you got to do to help them out. That would be great if the NBA actually believed that they need the Knicks to be good. But I think that if they were going to believe that, they would have believed it by now, right? Then, uh, as for Stefan Marbury, where he talks uh, about, you know, we he, uh, World Wide West has got no credibility here. And you, you hear this from time to time. In terms of, of coaching hires, in terms of um, personnel hires, that you need New York people to run New York teams. You need that New York. You need to know what it's like to be here and live here. This pl- New York is different than other places. That you need to have that New York credibility 
to be able to win here. That to me is ridiculous. Is New York different than San Antonio? Yeah, sure. There's going to be more attention. There's going to be more media. And that is a factor. How about just getting people who know what they're doing? Let's start there, right? Let, let, let's start at a baseline of people who know what they're doing, have the ability to do it, and then you kind of get out of their way. Two things that aggravate me. You need to have New York people or this idea, long-time losing organizations. Well, you know what? They got to be patient. They got to be patient. Well, if you're continuing to lose and you're not building anything, can anybody point to anyone who has either run the Knicks or coached the Knicks over the last 20 years where you would say, you know what the problem was? They didn't give that guy enough time. Patience is overrated. Now, I do think that when uh, next season or after the draft and the Knicks have a coach, yes, obviously, you can't expect things to change overnight. The Knicks are in the lottery this year. The Knicks almost certainly, 99.999%, will be in the lottery next year. They are not going to turn things around overnight. But the idea that you need to uh, have patience overall, that that's the most important thing, or that you need New York people, is ridiculous. Higher function. How about, you know what we do? How about we go with the smart people, right? Like everybody, either NFL teams, you know, it seems like you always go the opposite. Baseball teams, you always go the opposite of what you had before, right? Like if you had a player's manager, well, now you're going to get a drill sergeant. The Knicks have gone lots of different directions. The popular choice, the unpopular choice. How about we just go with people who know what the hell they're doing? That would be an interesting way to go. Whether they're from New York, whether they're from the moon. I don't really care. I just want somebody who knows what they're doing. Now, I don't know if Leon Rose is going to be successful. I don't know if uh, William Wesley is going to be able to, to attract free agents here. But to think that they don't have credibility because they, they're not, I guess, uh, Leon Rose is from Jersey. Uh, I think William Wesley's from Jersey too. That they're not New York City born and bred, uh, I think is silly. Bonato gets a little sloppy pass. Carter inside. Oh! Oh! And the crowd responds to a spectacular dunk from Vince Carter. Now you see why Frederick Weiss is going to go play in Greece. He don't want to see that on a nightly basis. No, no, no one wants to see Vince Carter's crotch rising over their head uh, every single time. No, they, that, that would certainly not be uh, one of the things you were looking for if you were a prospective NBA player. And that, of course, the highlight of Vince Carter dunking over Frederick Weiss. And uh, Vince Carter officially uh, announced yesterday that uh, he is uh, retiring from the NBA after 22 seasons, 22 seasons. And not that he is obviously what he once was, but still a very, you know, functioning NBA player. And and certainly as a guy, I think that if he wanted to, could have uh, continued to, to play another year or two, which generally for a guy who got by on primarily athleticism, that would generally not be the – I mean, he's 42, 43 years old. That's pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. So Vince Carter rides off into the sunset. We kind of knew that already, but uh, he made it official yesterday that he is uh, 
officially retiring. You know, before we get to the net picks and chill, I saw this uh, question uh, other places. I guess it's uh, – who's the person that had it first who brought up the issue? Uh, his name is Danny Vietti. I believe it's Vietti on Twitter. And he brought up a question uh, yesterday. Name a baseball player who could have been a Hall of Famer, had health slash injuries, never been an issue. And he brings up uh, Troy Tulowitzki, which is a pretty a pretty good um, name. I've seen other people bring up uh, Bo Jackson. If you are of a certain age, the, the, per, the, the, the number one, if you had a, a draft where you would say this person was on a Hall of Fame track, but injuries prevented them from from getting there. There's one person that comes to the number one, the overall number one, the LeBron of all number one picks. It's Don Mattingly. Don Mattingly was an MVP player in 85, should have won the MVP again in 86. And it's pretty clear. You can see where the back injury became an issue. Don Mattingly was not like the best New York player. He was at one time the best player in baseball. So... That's the, the the number one guy that has to jump to mind, and, and it does for me, obviously, because I'm a Yankee fan of a certain age, and I do not believe that Don Mattingly belongs in the Hall of Fame. I'm not uh, I'm not crazy, but you know what? Well, you're putting Harold Baines in. Uh, I, I guess uh, who who am I to say no? Who am I to say no? But that's the number one guy, more so than anybody else, even more than Bo Jackson, even more. I know uh, Met fans will bring up David Wright. No offense. Uh, the stronger, the strongest case uh, for people of my age and younger uh, would be now. Maybe there's somebody from you know 50 years ago that I don't know, but the one that immediately jumps to mind should have been a two-time MVP. Find many two-time MVPs who are not in the Hall of Fame. So obviously, and, and of course, people always bring up the similarities and stats between Don Mattingly and uh, Kirby Puckett, which is a good point for Don Mattingly's case. I personally would not put Don Mattingly in the Hall of Fame, even as much of a fan as I was of him. But if you're talking about people's careers who were derailed by injury, the number one guy has to be Don Mattingly. All right, so it is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM. ESPN New York. We take you up until 6 o'clock. Our poll question up for today on Twitter. And thank you to all the people that voted yesterday. Fantastic numbers. Almost a 1,000 votes yesterday. Great stuff by you guys. I appreciate that. But our poll question, which is up for today on Twitter, at Gordon Damer, is all about attendance of sporting events. I've seen a lot more people, and maybe it's because of fatigue, coronavirus fatigue. Maybe it is because the numbers have dwindled significantly here in New York even though that's not really necessarily the case. You've seen places uh, throughout the country where the numbers have increased. Uh, but Roger Goodell yesterday saying that they plan to have fans in the stands this year. Kentucky Derby, while they say that they're going to have reduced numbers. And look, I don't know what rules the NFL might put forth. The Kentucky Derby says that they will ask people to wear masks, but they won't require them. And if there's a sporting event where it, it seems like... Everything is lined up for it to be just a catastrophe in terms of the virus. The Kentucky Derby seems like it would be one. First off, they they were thinking about having half of the normal attendance, which even at half the normal attendance, you're talking about seventy five to eighty thousand people. That's a lot of people. That's not just like a baseball game attendance. That's a lot of eighty thousand people not required to wear masks. And let's be honest. 
a big function of the Kentucky Derby, the number one function is gambling, right? That, that's number one. But not too far behind, it's alcohol. People aren't going to be in their – a lot of them are not going to be in their right minds. So forget about – I mean, a lot of them, I think, might not even be wearing pants, never mind masks. So that has all the potential to be just an outright, outright catastrophe in my mind. But we're asking you, uh, the poll question is, would you feel comfortable attending a sporting event? And at least so far, the numbers have pretty much uh, remained pretty consistent. Two out of three say no, but that means one out of three feel like, yeah, why not? Yeah, no problems. So you can vote on the poll question. It's up on Twitter, uh, at Gordon Damer. All right, so net picks and chill pick for this week. Well, look, this is usually the time where I give you a TV show, a movie, a documentary, usually from the streaming services, but not exclusively Netflix, Amazon, Disney+, Plus, Hulu, whatever. And the reason for coming up with this was that there's just so much content, or at least there was at one time, so much content. It's tough for the regular person to be able to filter through it all. This person tells you about a show. This is just too much. There was a backlog. So much content, not enough time. Unfortunately, with the way the world has been and is right now, Staying at home for prolonged periods of time, it's kind of flipped that, right? There's too much time and not enough content. Even the movies that are coming out now, I know that there's that Pete Davidson one, uh, The King of Staten Island, which people have said has been pretty good. But even when you see like the movies that are now available at home that would have been in the theater, it doesn't seem, <laughs> it doesn't seem like there are a lot of the prime cuts. Let's put it that way, right? So. The review for this week, I got to be honest, I don't really have one. And I primarily blame my wife. Last week, I suggested to you the show, uh, I don't know if it's Giri Haji or Jiri Haji. I thought it was Jiri. My wife says Giri. I don't know. Whatever it is. It's on Netflix. It's a, de- uh, a detective show. Very, very strong. I've not made my way through it. And I've not really made much progress because I was talking to my wife about the show. And she doesn't really care. But I was talking about the Nets picks and chill, and I was raving about this show. And she said the worst things that she probably could have said was she wanted to watch it. So now I can't watch any new episodes because I got to wait for her to catch up, right? Like, it's not like I can sneak off someplace and find time to watch hour-long dramas. So now I've been waiting for her to catch up, and she's not as diligent as I am. Like, I got a lot of free time putting jigsaw puzzles together. I'm playing with the dog. There's only so much time, things to do to fill up the time. So I can't, uh, I have not been able to start anything really new. I saw, I finally saw Ford versus Ferrari. Hated it. In the ads, they all tell, oh, this ending. You got to see this ending to believe it. The ending was the most, I'm not going to give it away for people who haven't seen it. The ending was the most depressing thing I've seen in such a long time. Oh my goodness. When you say you have to see this ending to believe it, I thought it was going to be this uplifting thing. Spoiler alert. It is not. It is not. And I realize it's a true story. You can't change it. Although Hollywood's changed other things. I mean, (laughs) maybe you can change it a little bit. Can you give me a little bit of hope? The movie ended. I'm like, that's it? That's the big end, boy. Ha! Huh, not as not as uh, telegraphed as uh, as Ozark, but still very depressing. Uh, the only other pick I could give you that I've seen and I could uh, vouch for a little bit, and it's a kid. It's a show that I've watched with my kids. It's on Netflix called 
The Floor is Lava. Have you heard about it? Like everybody played that as a kid, right? The Floor is Lava. But in this thing, they actually make the floor. Um, it's not actually lava, obviously. That would be uh, dangerous. But, uh, you know, it's some sort of substance that you can't fall into. So my kids seem to like it. If you want a, a, a kid show to watch with uh, your children, uh, that's one. Nailed it is a cooking show on Netflix where the contestants try to, to, to make these ridiculously hard, like, designer cakes and it goes about as poorly as you would expect but at least the visuals are pretty funny so uh some people have sent me some suggestions uh, i'm trying to run through those so uh maybe next week we'll have a better one but for you know the same ones as i've said netflix giri haji uh amazon prime if you're looking for that upload you know what else i've fallen back into and i was watching this for a long time has anybody else seen the show i shouldn't be alive oh i love a good i shouldn't be alive fantastic awesome show mainly because that's the one show you don't want to be on but it's i think it's on uh, where did i see amazon prime it's on one of the cable channels too you probably could uh, find episodes of it there i shouldn't be alive or locked up abroad that's another good oh locked up abroad basically that is don't smuggle drugs that's the lesson of (laughs) locked up abroad apparently you should not smuggle drugs into other countries if you didn't already know that already all right so I don't really have a net picks and chill pick for this week, but I did want to bring this up yesterday and I didn't get the chance, but I want to bring it up now. Remember we did the rewatchable movie bracket? You probably remember it because I bring it up all the time. It was a huge success. At any time you come up with something like that, there's going to be criticism, right? Who you picked, how it turned out. And look, sure, I don't want to point fingers because I'm not that type of person, but the voting public got plenty of things wrong. It's not, I'm not blaming you, but you screwed it up. But in the end, I think when you take a step back and you had some time to uh, di- digest it, we got it right in the end, right? Goodfellas won. Everybody can kind of agree on that. Beat Die Hard. Away you go. So I've had a kind of a soft spot, and, and I'm always trying to improve things for next year. And I think I've, I've come up with an excellent way, but we're going to keep that under wraps. But I've kind of had a soft spot for other tournaments, other poll questions, all these type of things. So I don't know. Nobody, I didn't see it at the time. I didn't see it until it was already over. But Rotten Tomatoes, you know, Rotten Tomatoes, the, the, the website that reviews movies and TV shows and everything else. Uh, they ran a tournament, which was actually a pretty good idea of all the HBO original shows, everything. Top to bottom. I think everything. I don't know if it's everything. I didn't see the Hitcher on there. I didn't see First and Ten on there. Remember the Hitcher? Oh, that was a good series. The first time you saw the Hitcher, that that curled your hair a little bit, right? It's kind of like a Twilight Zone, but a, a little bit more of a modern take on the Twilight Zone. And that was the first time that I realized that HBO's key to success was gratuitous nudity, just from out of nowhere for no reason at all. The Hitcher, back in the 80s. Uh, so they ran all the HBO originals. Good idea. But the problem is they allowed the public to vote on it. So things got off to a to a good start. But they, I don't know how many rounds they had. And to spoil it, I think they, okay, they had six rounds. So it seems like the norm, it seemed like they had more than 64 shows, but whatever. They get through the first round. Okay, there's always going to be things you would quibble with, right? But then there are some that if this happens... It's over. You can't continue to run what the, the thought experiment that you were doing before. In the third round, now, if I asked you, just cast your mind. Now, maybe not cast your mind if you're driving because that would be dangerous. But just if I said to you, 
what's the best HBO show of all time? I think the overwhelming majority of people would say The Sopranos. Now, some people would argue The Wire, but primarily, most people, most right-headed people, it's not really debatable. I mean, The Sopranos might be the best show of all time, depending on how you define best. So uh, Rotten Tomatoes has this little tournament where in the third round, the Sopranos went up against Chernobyl. Now, if you remember back when Chernobyl was airing on HBO, it really is very well done. Really like Chernobyl. Unfortunately, you know you're not going to get a sequel to Chernobyl, right? It's based on, on true events. It was very well done. And at a time where you were looking, you, you went into it not knowing what to expect. Well, <laughs> not in terms of the story. I mean, in the, in the quality of the show. Very, very well done. As someone who has run poll questions every day now for, it feels like, five years, I can tell you, if Chernobyl defeats the Sopranos, well, then that's, you, 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 you wash your hands and you shut down the website. There's under no set of circumstances, and it, it wasn't close. It wasn't 51-49. Chernobyl won 55-45. Now, overall, the, the show that won the tournament was Game of Thrones. Also, terrible choice. You cannot rewatch Game of Thrones now, knowing how awful of a season that last season was. It was dreadful. It kills the credibility of the show. And it, I'm saying this as somebody who loves to rewatch everything. I've rewatched The Sopranos many, many times. I have not rewatched Chernobyl, and maybe I'll now hold this against it. But Game of Thrones is not the it's it's not even close. So I would just say to Rotten Tomatoes, uh, next time uh, maybe you have to uh, figure out a better way to do it. But mostly, the public screwed it up. Democracy is clearly overrated. <laughs> We were mentioning earlier that uh, question that was come up on Twitter about a baseball player who um, was on track to have a Hall of Fame career and then didn't have it because of injury. And the number one, I mean, it's clear, the number one choice should be Don Mattingly. Won an MVP, finished second in the the following year, 86, finished in the top 10 in in, uh, MVP voting, I think, either four or five times. And then, due to the back injury, obviously was not the same player from 1990 on. And really, you could point to like 88 where the numbers start to dwindle. But you look at OPS Plus uh, over the first five years of his career, 107. So it was slightly above average in 83, but that was uh, limited. But from 84, 156, 156, 161, 146, 128, 133. That's a Hall of Fame player. Now, uh, the one person that uh, somebody brought up, or actually a couple people brought up, is Albert Bell. Albert Bell should be a Hall of Famer. The reason why Albert Bell is not in the Hall of Fame, and people can tell the writers can tell you whatever they want, it's because he was a jerk. That's the only reason. Albert Bell's numbers are of a Hall of Fame player. And if you're asking me, who would I rather have as a player? And I don't know. Maybe he used steroids. Maybe people uh, believe that. Whatever. Would you rather have Albert Bell or Harold Baines? I mean, come on. Are we are we joking? 
Go look at Albert Bell's numbers. Now, he did not have the longest career. By uh, 33, he was washed up. But the reason he's not in the Hall of Fame has nothing to do with really steroids or the thing with the bat where he had a corked bat. It was about his personality. The guy treated people like a jerk. And if that's the reason you're not going to vote for him, well, at least just own it. That's all I say. All right, 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number. Let's get uh, some phone calls in here. We'll go to uh, Eddie is in Manhattan. Eddie, what's going on, my man? Hey, Glenn, how you doing? Good morning. First of all, I'd like to say good morning to all my fellow lepers and um, the members of Local 46. Listen, um, I think I spoke to you before, and I was one of the guys that was saying I don't think they should play baseball or any sport because of the virus. Mm -hmm. The reason I say that, I had the virus for two months, and it honestly, it almost killed me. Like, if I didn't have people to help me out, they would have killed me. But now I'm back out here working, believe it or not. My body still doesn't feel like, like before. Still not back body, to 100%. It still don't feel like that yet, you know. So if people are willing to take a chance to go out there and, uh, like, whether it's play baseball or basketball, whatever, I'll, they go ahead and do it. But knowing that they are going to catch the virus, because I believe eventually, like, everybody on this planet is going to catch that virus. There's no way around it. Your body it does. Have yeah, I mean, I'm not, again, I'm not uh, obviously I'm not a doctor. Right. But uh, it does kind of seem that way that over time. Yeah, people are people are going to catch it. And uh, everybody either when they come up with a vaccine or, or whatnot, everybody's going to be exposed to it. So, um, yeah, Eddie, I, I hear what you're saying. Uh, but I would just say, like, while health is a concern to everybody, it's obviously not the, 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 the number one priority to everybody. And, and, and I'm not to, and that's not to judge because, you know, people have people to feed. You know, you, you have to at some point get back to work. And, uh, you know, the, the financial issues for everybody are going to uh, have an impact, are going to have an impact. So I, I hear what you're saying. And uh, hopefully you're, you, you, you know, you're getting back to a hundred percent and you're feeling well soon. All right. Uh, Brian, I have lost the uh, call sheet, so if you could give me another call. I think Spike in Jersey is there. I think Spike in Jersey is always there, right? Spike, what's going on, my man? I try to be there for you. That last Thank call, you. that last call was uh, quite disturbing. I hope uh, that young fellow gets 100% better sooner than yes. later, and he makes a hell of a case. And, and this is going to be a shame. I'm, I'm going to go right off of this in a second. This is going to be a shame if this is what happens and, and people, uh, in every sport start getting infected. I mean, it's, it's just, it's, you're right. You said it perfectly. Health and, and wealth. It's almost a, or, or affordable, uh, making enough money to put food on our table. What a dilemma we got into. Anyway, I want to get, change this topic for a quick second. Albert Bell was almost Ruthian for those 10 years. He, he was ridiculous. How many times yeah. did he get 30, 40, homers and 100 RBIs? And yep. if is a jerk. Is, does it, I don't know. Does the Hall of Fame say no jerks? <laughs> well, you know what, Spike? And, and thanks for the call. we got to run. Uh, unfortunately, I think it's a good system overall. And the baseball writers, I trust them more than uh, really any other system that they have because they generally get it right, right? Like the baseball writers didn't put Harold Baines in. It was, you know, essentially the, 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 um, the, the Veterans Committee. But no, Albert Bell, his numbers, go look at them. There's nothing you can argue about the numbers, and that's what it should be about, about the numbers. He didn't have the longest career. I'll grant you that. And if you ha if the only way to get into the Hall of Fame is to do it for 15 years, okay. But there's a lot of guys who didn't do it for 15 years that are already in and have far weaker cases 
than Albert Bell. All right, that's going to do it for us for today. We're already out of time. We will be back on Monday starting at 5 a.m. Please vote on the poll question. You were all out there for the poll question yesterday. Get back there. Vote on the poll question. It's up on Twitter. It's at Gordon Damer. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Gordon Damer. And we'll be back Monday at 5 a.m. after a big weekend, 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. Have a good weekend, everyone. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.